and welcome back to the Curiosity Chamber. This is Season 3, Episode 18. And if you're enjoying the show, please give me a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you want to see some behind-the-scenes footage with a GoPro of the show, you can also follow me on Instagram and TikTok at the Curiosity Chamber. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our next guest. He is a national touring DJ. He's an artist. Your favorite, my friend, Slum American, Danny Vintage. And we're off. What's up, Dan? Thanks for being What's here, up, man. What's up, brother? Dude, thanks for having me. Just chilling. Hey, are you able to see the moon right now? Um, I No. I mean, I could. I was like looking out my. I was going to look out my window. Don't and I realized that my. Uh, <laughs> I realized that my blinds were closed, so there's there's no seeing outside. I got a uh, a nasty view. It's like orange and it's a half moon. It's pretty. It's pretty sick. I got that GoPro going, so it's gonna look super tight when I. Uh, yeah, I've seen your setup before. Up. It looks pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. It's. I'm trying to get a little niche going. You know, kind of make it different than what you'll see on regular podcasts since we don't, you know, do face to face yet. In a perfect world, I would like to get what Joe Rogan's doing that face to face going in the studio. So yeah. That'd, that'd be dope. It's always cool. Have you ever been on a podcast before? Yeah, I've done a couple. Um well the one I was telling you about my buddy, his bald beauty one, we did that one in the bar. Which was oh, interesting. Like a- like a crowded bar? Uh, yeah, but we we kind of we did it in the middle of a Bears game for some reason. So it was a little, <laughs> it's a little, holy a little shit! <laughs> what was that experience like, man? What were you guys talking about? Like, were people like uh, buttoned in and shit? Yeah, some people. Some of my buddies came to heckle me <laughs> during it, so that was that's always nice. So what you been up to, man? See you. Um... Traveling around a fuckload, it seems like. You uh, doing some performance, it looks like? Yeah, uh, touring was pretty good for the last couple of years. I was playing with this artist named Wade B. Mm-hmm. Um, Damn. I originally met him a couple of years ago when I was touring with Bubba Sparks. I was his DJ. And we ended up playing this crazy gig in South Carolina. And I met this dude, and we kind of like hit it off, but we became friends. And then one, one day... Word. Yeah, this, go ahead. This had to be like, man, COVID always kind of screws up my. Yeah, do you same here? Oh, you can swear. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it fucks me up too, man. The yeah. um, COVID, like the last two years, are just a complete blur, right? I'm like, what the fuck year is it? Um, <laughs> exactly. This had to be 2000, and I was, I'd say 18 or 19 is when we kind of started that run. Yeah. And then I played, actually, 2017, I think I started playing for Bubba Sparks. Did that for like three years. Then started talking to Wade, and he was like, you want to be my DJ? I was like, hell yeah. So, so we took our drummer that was with us yeah, from Bubba Sparks and <laughs> kind of started our, our trio. That's the, uh, the current trio right now? Yeah, I mean, people have been in and out. Like, we had a couple of guitar players play with us. Um Right now, they're doing mostly a duo just because the cost of touring and expenses right now are just kind of... 
Crazy. Is that a common theme within the music industry where people just dip out and leave? Uh, yeah. I mean, we were kind of hired guns where like we got brought in. I was not a bass player before and I got brought in to learn how to play bass. And I played bass for about two years with them. What instruments do you play? Uh, drums originally. Yeah. And then I DJ. I'm a very shitty guitar player. <laughs> and I'm pretty shitty at playing bass. Hey, honesty at its finest. At least you're not trying to be something you're not. Yeah, no. It was it was crazy how it happened, though. Because when I first started playing bass, I got an Orange sponsorship like a week later. And they put me up on the Orange website. So I'm still on there. If you go to like orange.com, it's one of the biggest amps in the world. Oh, and, Jesus. Uh, I, I was going to ask. I don't know what orange is. I'm not, I'm not too uh, musically inclined. So you got to, you got to teach me some shit. So, so orange is for amps. Yeah. So shout out to orange amplifiers for allowing my half ass bass playing self. to. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get back to Bubba Sparks. Cause that's, it's kind of a, a big name there. How how did you meet him? How did that all go down? Uh, that happened in a weird way. He was coming up here to do a show in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. There was a memorial ride for my one of my best friends growing up, his mom's brother. Okay. I know it's kind of a crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard crazier. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, she was like my second mom. So her... her um, her nephew started yeah. working with Bubba Sparks and them and they had the show coming up and they asked me and my drummer DJ duo thing that I do with Mark S's to, to open up for it. And then Mark's touring band uh, called the for the fallen dreams. They got this huge tour, so they had to go take it. So I was like, Oh shit. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? So I'm like, I'll just do a DJ set solo. And then I started talking to them and they were like, well, Hey, Bubba Sparks and Alexander King are looking for a new DJ. Would you want to do it? (laughs) And I was kind of just like, yeah, I'm interested. And I didn't know that they had been following my Instagram for like a year. Whoa. That's pretty dope. Yeah. So they were just like, hey, you seem pretty much exactly what we're looking for aesthetically. Yeah. So so you said that. South Carolina was nuts when you guys were all there. Like what is there anything you can talk about that happened that was so significant that made it made it crazy? Um or just like I'm trying to think and nights, I'm, everything's a blur. Try to think if I'm gonna get in trouble for this story. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we roll up to this place <laughs> and we get there and the security is the Hells Angels. Oh Jesus Christ, dude. So it's like I'm like, I'm not sure how these dudes are going to react to, like, us. Right. You know, right. coming in there doing, like, country hip-hop shit. But yeah. they were actually, they were awesome. Oh, that's good. We got some photos that I can never show anyone. No shit. So, Jesus. <laughs> it's yeah. cool. I have, like, I have them saved, and one day I'll probably hang them up somewhere. when I'm- Man, could you imagine being in Hell's Angels? Like, the man, because I got a motorcycle recently, and... I was I was texting my friend. I'm like, I can completely understand how Hell's Angels is a thing. Like when I'm riding, dude, I feel so fucking good. I feel amazing when I'm yeah, riding. My, 
my buddy who lives in Colorado is relentless about me getting a bike. He's just like, dude, you got to get a scooter. I'm like, I don't know, man. I play so many shows and riding so risky and all the drivers today don't pay attention to shit. No, they fucking don't, dude. Especially the ones that drive Teslas because they really don't have to fucking pay attention. But like, you'll still get murdered by one. That was the only car so far that I've only that I, that almost got mangled by was a Tesla. The dude was looking down, like typing on his laptop or some shit, wasn't paying attention. That's where technology is just getting like too much. The like autonomous driving. Yeah, just like that, and I feel like everyone is so into whatever technology they're on, like either their phones or tablets or all that stuff. Yeah, I'm sure we're we're guilty as it of it as well. I mean, but. I mean, well, I'm on my phone all the time. I'm, I'm for sure. Too. <laughs> if you look at someone driving a car, chances are that they're on their phone, man. You notice this shit so much when you're on a motorcycle because you can't have your phone in your hands, obviously. So every time at a stoplight, when I'm looking at someone in their car, heads always down, always. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, people, people don't know how to drive anymore. No, no, yeah, it seems like it's getting worse. Um, yeah, I thought you had a motorcycle, no? Um, I did in the beginning of COVID. Before okay. COVID actually hit, I got one, and then my buddy actually built it. Oh, that's sick. Pretty stoked for it. Yeah. And then we had 15 weddings coming up, so that was pretty much about like 20 <laughs> grand. God damn, dude. Wait, 15 weddings? 15 yeah, we, weddings? We were going to be doing 15 weddings doing the drummer DJ thing. And then uh, we were booked to play Shamrock Festival and Woodstock, and then COVID happened. Yeah. So I lost all the weddings. I ended up doing four out of those 15. That's fucked up, man. So four out of those couples still got married. I have the last one right. of that group coming up in, uh, in about two months. But Did it was they all just push them back. Like those weddings? Yeah. Or so they ended up getting divorced and shit because they couldn't manage each other after COVID. They figured it out. Yeah. I mean, COVID definitely tasted uh, all kinds of relationships, but. <laughs> it sure did. I think for most of them, what they did was they had all these big elaborate weddings. And during COVID, people were just like, fuck it. We're just going to have a backyard wedding. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. Because all these venues were just like had all these crazy rules. You could do this and you could do that. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, during COVID, our band went to the Southern States where they didn't give a shit. And we just no, played COVID like, didn't exist. Yeah. No. We were just playing full out tours. It, isn't that crazy how it was? It was like two completely different countries, like the North, the Northern States and then the Southern States. Yeah. We did 12 dates in the South well, Maine too, but Maine, by the time we got up there, they were pretty lax yeah what's your uh favorite state to go to to perform uh south carolina <laughs> florida and texas are pretty much my my favorites because we do the last three years this is the first year we're not doing it we've been doing rednecks with paychecks festival in, in texas <laughs> Hell which yeah is, what the fuck is that <laughs> it's the most debaucherous fucking crazy shit it's like so it's um it's at one of the world's largest off-road places where you can take your ATVs, your monster yeah. trucks, all this yeah. shit. 
It's basically like one gigantic Trump rally. It's fucking nuts. <laughs> Let the good times flow. Yeah, dude. You, there's every kind of moonshine that you'd ever imagine. Oh, I my didn't know God, existed. Dude. Like apple, cherry, orange. And some of that shit, that moonshine, I mean, it's strong, but sometimes they can coat it to where it doesn't it doesn't taste that bad, right? Oh, no. This is the shit where they're trying to kill you. Oh, okay. This is the gasoline shit. Yeah, this is 100% gasoline. <laughs> so you try to take like one or two sips of that only because it'll, it'll get you. <laughs> but the last time we were there, our booking agent booked us to open up for Saving Abel the next day in Nebraska, 16 hours away. So we convenient. We, yeah, super convenient. So we get into St. Joe, Texas. Played to an awesome crowd, had so much fun, and we hired a driver, one of my buddies, to drive us. Yeah. And he drove us 16 hours straight. Holy shit, what a trooper, man. I think there was a couple of times he might have fallen asleep, because <laughs> I went to bed. I was like, I can sleep through that kind of shit. But <laughs> our, our artist that we play for, he was like one eye open the whole time, just like oh, thinking God. this dude's not going to make it. Yeah, that's how I would be. I can't sleep in cars or airplanes. I got yeah, a real hard one, time. This one we had our drummer, his girlfriend, our guitar player, me, our uh, singer, and all of our gear all in this van. So there was not much room for anything. It was awful. You guys get hotel rooms or do you? Yeah. In that? Okay. We're We're lucky. Our uh, our deals that we get are pretty good. They always give us hotel rooms. Although oh, for, so there's like incentives. Uh, it's basically built in our contract that we get yeah. like food, hotels, and you know sometimes I'll pay for travel too, which is sweet. Oh, awesome! That's but cool. some for some reason I don't know what the fuck it is. Every time we get into a town and we get to the hotel, there's like a 20 minute window where the hotel goes. We don't have anything under this name the name they tell us to go say like it's under. And then it turns out that it's like the manager's brother's cousin's sister's name that they're using. Right, it's right. Just like trying to figure that out. is just and it's happened more than one occasion, huh? Yeah. I just brace for it. Everyone else kind of gets pretty pissed off, but I'm just like, <laughs> you know, assume, what, I assume yeah, it's going to happen. The expectations. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you like playing in Illinois? I do. Oddly enough, we don't get booked here much. Um, the fuck is that all about? I know. I I like playing for the home crowd. We play Nico's yeah. at least once a year or twice a year with the touring band, but we haven't done that this year. Uh, Mark and I just played the DJ drum thing on Saturday, and then we went straight over to Florida Georgia Line at the fairgrounds. That was nutty. My friend uh, Kyle Frazier, I don't know if you know him, but he's like, oh, you're going to have Vintage on? I'm like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he yeah. lives He lives in Wakanda. I don't know if you know him, but he... Oh, yeah, he, I know him. Okay, okay. Good dude. Yeah, yeah. So has your life always revolved around music or what? Yeah, when I was really young, uh, my uncle, my uncle Bernie, he was, uh, he was a guitar player and he would always sing at family reunions, sing at Christmas. And I thought he was like the coolest person ever. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. Cause he played like Beatles and all that other cool stuff. And all my whole family would always sing it at family reunions. And I kind of just got the bug and 
you know, when fifth grade hit, I got my first guitar, which sadly enough, I should be a lot better than I am right now. <laughs> Uncle, Bernie, okay. Uncle Bernie was pretty good, though. It yeah, wasn't like one, one of those uncles that like, you know, you give him false confidence. Like, oh, yeah, it's pretty good, Uncle Bernie. No, he was, he was a killer. <laughs> the, the first time, this is actually what did it. We were in Pittsburgh, which Pittsburgh is like a second city to me. I love that city. Um, mm-hmm. We were in Pittsburgh where he lived, and we were at a bar. And he was playing and they were like, you can't play in here. You can't bring me in because I was like six or something at the time. Yeah. And they were like, he's like, well, I'm not playing then. Oh. And so he's like, all right, you can play outside. So he did this acoustic set outside on the patio and had me play harmonica. And that was like my first show ever. So that's what did it. After that, it was like, fuck, I have to do this the rest of my life. (laughs) <laughs> and there was like there was no other option that was you were pretty set in stone on on music yeah i wanted to be you know as soon as i got to like middle school i wanted to be like the next like newfound glory limp biscuit you know any kind of genre i didn't really care i kind of liked everything at the time did you like rap i i did i got my mom actually <laughs> which is funny <laughs> She's just this little Irish lady, but she got, she got me into rap, like Tupac. She got you into rap? Yeah, because my sister was older, so my sister would listen to like, uh, like stuff like Tupac mm. and Salt and Peppa, and you know stuff like that. Missy Elliott, and then oh, yeah. you know naturally just watching MTV, I got into that mm. kind of stuff and Puffy and Mace. Oh, yeah. 97 was a big year that year for that kind of shit. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I had a little rap career going for a little bit, and everyone... People are fucking mean, dude. It's like, I I can't... Listen, I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. Eminem was fucking huge at the time. This is like ninth grade for me, right? And I enjoyed poetry. Again, I couldn't sing, but like... Music is such a good expression to get emotion out. It's so fucking good. And I, I I, swear to God, I wish I could sing. If I could sing, I would be doing it all day, every day. Just because like, when you hit like high notes or like you can get a lot of anger out or like whatever you're going through, like screaming fucking helps, man. And like writing is great, too. I love writing. Yes, yes. Writing is great, too. I did so much writing when I was in ninth, 10th grade, just writing raps and stuff. And just Yeah, I still have all the notebooks from when I was from like fifth grade to pretty much high school. I wish I would have kept that. I have a um, a tape recorder with my raps on it still. Like, dude, <laughs> I would go to YouTube and find some instrumentals and play it on my laptop. And then I would push record on the tape recorder and just fucking like you couldn't mess up you had to do it like you had to do the flow the right good there, old tape bro. recorder days yeah I used man to, i used to tape record myself announcing hockey games <laughs> like it'd be like nhl tonight and That's i would just dope. be like i wanted to be, i really wanted to be an nhl announcer that was my second thing That's like music sick. didn't work out so I didn't I know like, that about you. That's dope, man. Yeah, I got I got tons. Well, hockey's been hockey and music have always kind of gone hand in hand since I was about four. Who was the uh, the hockey fan in your family that made you want to start watching? Uh, my cousins. My cousins and I yeah. are about the same age. 
and we all started playing about the same time. They were doing travel and roller hockey was huge here. So I was doing roller hockey. Yeah. And then because burning blades and, you know, all that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. And then listeners out there, me and Dan used to play on the same hockey team for a short stint there. We did. Yeah. Good times. It was the best times. Fucking love it. The good old Dabafone team. What a great team. (laughs) Dude, so I saw you post on Facebook. It might have been months ago, but your fucking, was it your arm? Oh, I, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. What the fuck? Pretty gnarly. I, um, I'd say. I was on a breakaway and I had a clear, like, I'm actually pissed off at myself. So basically what happened was <laughs> my team, we were like, we only had like seven guys that game. Yeah, always. Yeah. And we were, and we were, I was, I got my second win by the third period and I had scored two goals. Yeah. And they wiped one of them away on bullshit. Of course, so was, man. So, so I was pissed and I was like, you know what? I'm going for the hat trick. I've never, I don't think I've ever had one in like the men's league. So I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, I'm going to get this. And so I got called off the ice and like a true douchebag. I'm just like, I see the puck just slide up the middle and I'm like, oh, that's an easy breakaway. I'm not going off. <laughs> so, I, so I just haul ass and I'm hauling, and I'm going down. And I don't know what happened, but like I, Shot the puck and went over the net. If I would have scored, none of this would have happened. But I didn't score. So it went over the net. And I went to go get the rebound behind the net. And the dude kind of like was right on me by the time yeah. I was going for the rebound. Uh-huh. And my legs just kind of went out. And I just went sliding leg first into the board. So I hit the board, probably going like 20 miles an hour, left leg first. I thought I just broke my... uh I thought I just dislocated my ankle. So I'm just like, the guys come over and they're like, Hey, what do you need? I'm like, just give me a beer. I'm like, I just got to pop this thing back in place. Oh, and they're just like, yeah, that's not They're My team is firefighters and EMT. So they were just like, yeah, I think we got to call you know, the EMTs. <laughs> oh, that's good. Are so, you yeah. surrounded by that? Cause they were like, do you think you can move it? And I tried moving it. And then that's when like the pain started and I was like, yeah. Oh shit. So I get to the hospital well, actually, I get in the ambulance, mm-hmm. and the the ambulance guy goes, EMT goes, yeah, we're gonna give you fentanyl. And I'm, oh Jesus Christ! And I'm like, no. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> I'm like, fuck that. I'm like, you're not giving me that shit. I've I watched Dateline. <laughs> I know they like you know you have that and like someone dies. Like no, they're like you have to take like a good amount of it. It's like mixed with drugs and other shit. That's how you die. I'm like, still don't want to do it. So. Talked me into it. They're like, whatever pain. So I get to the hospital and they put me in the hospital bed. And they're like, hey, we're going to move you to the trauma wing. And they move me to the trauma wing. And they're like, okay. Um, I'm still thinking I just have like a dislocated ankle. I'm like, fuck it. Still at this point? (laughs) Yeah, she goes, goes, I should have kind of taken a sign when they moved me that something's probably wrong. (laughs) Just pop it in, Doc. Yeah, like, let's just go. And then... uh, they get me in there and the, the nurse comes up and she goes, yeah, we think you broke a couple bones. Okay. So we're going to have to do some x-rays. And then they looked at the x-rays and she came back in and she looked like she was going to vomit. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, you broke some stuff. Um, we're going to put you under. Oh and, my God. Uh, and, and set your leg. Whoa. To get it like ready and wrap it. Like immediately. Yeah. They're like, we have to like do it right now. So I broke 
all my ankle bones, my tibia, my fibia, and I tore all my ligaments. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. Everything. A, yeah, everything from my knee down was pretty much not together. Oh, fuck. Yeah, well, you should have probably taken that fentanyl. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I did take it. Okay, good. Holy <laughs> For the listeners out there, the uh, hockey boards have zero give on that. So if you hit that, I don't care if you're going like five miles an hour. You're getting fucked up. Yeah, they have uh, zero forgiveness in those things. So, And I was flying, so that was oh. the end of that. So then they wrap up my leg. And the one nurse was talking to me because – about music and stuff. And she's like, oh, and I told her about like my band and stuff. She's like, oh, I'm actually from Jacksonville, Florida, which is from, which is where my, the artist I played for, Wade, is from. Yeah, yeah. So we were just talking about venues in that area and stuff. And I really thought that I was going to get a number there, but. Oh, she was a younger nurse? Yeah. Oh, good good cool. looking lady. Very nice. Oh, I forgot yeah. her name. But, uh, <laughs> but I was like, you know, thinking that she'd be impressed <laughs> By my brokenness. And then I realized I was like, girl's probably not going to be that impressed over a 35-year-old guy who just got fucked up in men's league hockey. <laughs> or maybe. Maybe so, she was. Maybe, maybe she, she was in love with knows. you. You, watch, you do watch too many movies, man. It's like your classic scenario or beat down guys in the hospital bed with a broken leg and the nurse heals them up and they fall in love. Just try, hey. <laughs> You know, I'm romantic. What can I say? Oh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But so then uh, this is what <laughs> this is at the time in January where there was like kind of like that second thing of COVID where they were I, talking about I maybe doing a, another shutdown. Yeah. And obviously everyone was like, oh, you know, so they told me, hey, we have to get you out of the hospital because the COVID numbers here are high. Oh, Jesus. Dude. So obviously they can't put a cast on me because I had to get surgery immediately. So, this is crazy. This is absolutely batshit crazy. It gets crazier. So then like <laughs> somehow. So then they're like, okay. So they send me home. And I have this stupid idea that I'm going to go back to my house in Woodstock. It's like my apartment is weird because it's not like connected to any other apartments. It's just above the bar that I work at. Uh huh. So when you open the front door, you're in my apartment. Got it. Okay. So. I get up there. My friend, uh, my friend Carly and her boyfriend helped me get up there. It was like the one time anyone came to my game and they just, <laughs> they just <laughs> fucked up. But uh, they get me up the stairs and I'm in, I'm in the bed. And I just like call my dad like two hours later. I'm like, I can't be here. It's like, this shit sucks. So then I end up going to their house. And so the next day we call the doctors to schedule my surgery. They can't get me in for seven days. Seven days? So they hook me up with... Dude, you're going to fucking die. Yeah. They hook me up with all these crazy painkillers, which uh -huh. I don't like taking pain meds for anything. I don't even like taking stuff for headaches. Right. Yeah. So they, they set me up with these painkillers and all this shit. So I'm taking that. I'm on my mom's couch. And they had to like block my leg off from my dog because I brought my dog with me. Shout out to Bishop, the best pit bull ever. What's up, Bishop? Uh, so I, you know, I, I'm blocking him off and we're sitting there talking to the doctor and like, yeah, you can't get you in for seven days. Nah. The, the nurses at the hospital the night before and the doctor were like, you need to get surgery right now. Okay. So they're giving me seven days. So luckily 
my uh, my buddy Sean, his girlfriend Emily works for Ortho Illinois, and she's like, we got this great doctor, Doctor Kazaglis. He can get you in in uh, six days. And I'm like, all right, cool, take it, done. Yeah. Go see him, set everything up, get to surgery. Surgery ended up being 13 screws. Good Lord. Two plates, two pins, and 42 staples. Jesus, man, you're an art project. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty, pretty gruesome looking. And then, you know, we weren't really sure how the healing was going to go. But I was pretty good about it. I, at the time when that this happened, I decided because I was on like every painkiller known to man that I was just going to stop drinking. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I stopped drinking for four months while I was in this healing thing. That's a good chunk of change right there. It was. It was nice, actually, to be to be honest with you. Yeah. It was pretty. And I was at my mom's house with my dad, my mom and my dad, which was great in the sense that I had just been touring basically for three years on and off every weekend. Yeah. So I didn't really get to see them that much. Mm -hmm. So being laid out for four months, well, it ended up being like six months, but it, being laid out for the most of the four months, it was great to catch up with them and, you know, hang out. And I got mom cooked meals every day, three times, a, three times a day. Oh, you were getting spoiled again. Oh, yeah. I almost oh, went yeah. back. I got real close. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, forget that Woodstock life. I'm going back to my mom's. Figure <laughs> Where it out. are they at right now? They're in Crystal Lake. Okay. But it was crazy because at the time they were getting ready to move to South Carolina. And Everything I just happened. seemed to go back to South Carolina for you, man. Yeah. And then I broke all my shit. And then they were just like, they didn't stay because I broke it. They just, you know, my mom's 74 right now. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's just like, hey, if I move, trying to make new friends, you know, at their age is going to be True. tougher. And they love all the people that they have up here. So they decided, you know, not to. But anyway, so I, I get through the surgery. I get back and then I spend all of January just in miserable pain in a cast. And then February, they cut my cast off, put me in my second cast. And then March, they cut that one off, put me in my third and final one. Good Lord, man. Yeah, it was, it was brutal. And so then at that time, Shamrock was coming up again. So I decided that I was going to still play Shamrock with a giant fucking cast on my leg. <laughs> Think, thinking that was going to be a good idea. I was like, I was like, Hey, my friends will just help me bring all my gear out and shit, which were, they were, they were pretty awesome about. Cause I had all these shows that were booked and I had two tour dates, but I had to cancel the tour dates cause flying at that time just wasn't going to happen, which sucked. Cause it, it kind of was the last show I did with Wade. I mean, we're, we're going to do more in the future, but for the time being, that was kind of the last one. Right. Due to me fucking myself up. And, you know, my buddies helped me out. They get me on there. And wouldn't you know, the weather for Shamrock is just awful. It is negative like 10 with the wind chill. Seven degrees is the high. Nice I bet polar vortex. Yeah, I barely have a fucking sock over my foot. <laughs> and like when you break your, your leg and you get all that metal in you, yeah, you, you feel everything. I was going to bring that up, man, when you were mentioning like it happened in January, then February, because I had broken my hand playing hockey. And when those cold 
climates come, man. Those temperatures, you fucking feel everything. Yeah, I used to make fun of the old guys in our bar who'd be like, oh, man, I can feel the rain coming. They could, for real. Yeah. yeah. Now you no, can't that's that's me man. now. For sure. Me too. Yeah. So, Damn. so that was just fucking terrible. And then, you know, I ended up doing a couple more shows after that. But it was just, it was, dude, it was a really hard time because at the beginning of the year, in January, before I did all this shit, I decided that I was going to mainly just do the Wade touring stuff. And then I was going to DJ a little bit less and try to find either working at the uh, bar more hours yeah. or, you know, finding something to do. And I started a booking company too. Oh, that's a good idea. So I was like, I'm just going to book a bunch of people. Sure. And then when we started this booking company called Spiker Booking, you know, it was so exciting. We're like, all right, we're going to do all this shit. And then I broke myself and 90% of me going to do what like we want to do with our company was going to Chicago and other places and trying to sell them on why they should use our software that we created. Yeah. But I'm broken and I can't fucking go anywhere. So <laughs> it made, it made things really tough. And I was like, all right, well, I said I wasn't going to do any of these shows, but then I started getting booked, even though I was like all fucked up. Jesus. Venues were still cool. And they were like, you know, helping me, which was cool. Cause it helped out with like all the hospital bills and all that stuff. Like, I have insurance that's pretty good, so I got lucky in that sense because I know a lot of people out there don't. So I'm did very the, fortunate. Did the hockey rink help pay for it at all? They didn't do shit. They didn't even. <laughs> they didn't even say anything. Really? Yeah, I kind of wanted the video from it because they have it on Live Barn. You know Matt Motika? Yeah. He broke his arm on our in one of our games at the uh, Leave Center, and I guess he the. They paid for his surgery. Huh. Yeah. Well, I know I know the Crystal Lake plays had a waiver, so I think if you sign that waiver, it's pretty uh, much just like you're fucked. Did you have the US hockey or whatever they yeah. have to sign up for? Yeah, I have that. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. I'll check into that. Yeah, that because that has to be a, a pretty penny, man. You had like so many surgeries done on your leg. Oh dude, just so I looked at the bill uh recently. Just, yeah. just for a good laugh. Uh, just looking at my ten or my ligaments was four thousand. What? Yeah, and my um, my X rays for my ankle were two, and then my uh, tibia fibula were two. It's just, it's just too much, man. It's ridiculous. It's just too much. I wanted to get my my ankle is so fucked up. I wanted to get an MRI on it and they wanted $2,000. I'm like, okay, I'll just live with it. That's fine. Well, and then the crazy thing too is once you injure yourself doing a men's league sport, everyone just gives you so much shit. Like, <laughs> oh, you're too old to be playing all this other shit. I'm like, no, it was a freak accident. Like yeah. if I wouldn't have broken it, I'd be still playing right now. Oh, for sure. And I'd probably sure. still be playing for like another like however long until like I break something because it's it's inevitable when you're playing hockey that you're gonna break something eventually. Agreed. Right? Yes. Yes. But it's I had a pretty good fucking streak. age. No. 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 I mean, now I'm probably gonna be pretty slow. That's what happened to me, man. I'm really pissed off. I used to be kind of fast, and then I rolled my ankle playing men's league baseball, and dude, I rolled it so bad. Four years ago, it swelled up really bad. Actually, I just had um, 
uh, Dr. Rick Strassman on, and he's a um, he's a physician and a psychiatrist, and he specializes in psychedelics. And um, I've been microdosing for the past week or so, and I noticed my ankle the uh, the swelling was going down like significantly. I'm like, the only thing I've changed in my diet was that I have started microdosing. So I looked into it, doing the Aaron Rodgers thing. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And I, and then I um I saw a couple white papers on it about yeah, uh psilocybin can't help with inflammation. So then when I had him on yesterday, I brought it up and he's like, "Oh yeah, there's a massive component in uh psilocybin for um inflammation, anti-anti-inflammatory." So I guess that's what it is, man. And, I mean, and- I would rather do that than take like the painkiller and all the other shit that they give you. Same here. Same here. Same here. Yeah, I used to be addicted to uh, the fuck is it? Norco. Yeah. The uh, opioid shit, man, during that pandemic. Cause that's right when I broke my fucking hand in hockey. And all you had to do, man, was just go to a doctor and say, my hand hurts. And they would just prescribe that shit like it was candy because they have incentives on that shit. They get paid out on that. Yeah. I, um, I stopped taking all of my painkillers probably during the second cast. Good for you. Because I was just kind of like, I didn't like taking it. I didn't like the way it made me feel. And I was sober at the time anyway. Right. So I, I was just like, you know what? The pain's going to be here no matter what. It's still going to suck. And I mean, it still hurts now. Like I still have tons of pain with it. But, you know, it's just mind over matter is going to kind of just be there. For sure. No, you're right. So good for you for not taking that shit, because that can be a slippery road, man. Like, so many people get addicted to that shit. Oh, dude, I was on fucking Percocets. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, it's so easy to fall into that and just, like, it numbs everything, you know? Just, like, everything just kind of, like, dulls away. So. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely wild. But uh, it's still, still a recovery process, and there was a issue with my recovery, too, for a little bit where they kept on telling me that I was going to play hockey again by like May. Yeah. So I was like super excited. I was like, Oh fuck yeah, this is going to be a quick, easy (laughs) thing. And then, you know, April rolled around, not much change. May rolled around. Yeah. Not much change. Like, okay, there's an issue. Cause I was, they wanted me to start walking and my foot like right up in the top front of the ankle part didn't get like clubbed, but it got like, weird formation from being in the cast for so long. So now I have to have this device where I put my ankle into it. I strap my ankle in and it's like a medieval torture thing. Oh yeah. That's what I was picturing, man. Yeah. Where I have to like twist it and it makes my foot can go left or right and can go down, but it can't really move up. Yeah. So it like pushes my foot up and I have to go till it gets uncomfortable and I have to keep it there for 30 minutes. Oh, good God, man. So I started that today. So they're hoping that. Oh, okay. Maybe because like I got I'm back to walking now, like in June and July, I had a cane. So I had to walk with a cane for a bit. It's kind of pimp. It was kind of sweet. Everyone wanted me to have a sword or a gun in there. (laughs) But uh, kiss daddy's rings, bitch. The uh, the health system, they, they don't they don't carry those. So. I just had the old, I mean, it was actually pretty sweet still. It was like this cool wooden one because they had, they asked me to have like 
they're like, do you want this cool wooden one or do you guys, do you want one of the more one for like older people? And I was like, ah, give me the cool one. You ever seen one of those canes with the sword in it? Oh yeah. Yeah. I actually went on eBay, not eBay, uh, Amazon and uh-huh. I got pretty close to getting one. And then I was like, <laughs> well, I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have these. The next step is joining Hell's Angels after you purchase that, dude. <laughs> are you performing right now or no because of your leg and all oh yeah no i never stopped i like oh you never you never came to a halt ever no there was no break i Fuck. uh i actually said like i said at the beginning i was gonna do less shows this year and i've pretty much done double jesus all I don't right know, i don't know how but i started doing shows at this place called the vixen they've kind of given me Close to a residency. I'm there at least once or twice a month. So what's a residency considered in this? Um, in DJing, it's usually you're just there like pretty much every weekend. Okay. I had one at Benton Street Tap where I've worked and I book all the stuff there too, like bands and DJs. Um, but I kind of wanted to get back to, well, I figured I was going to be touring all summer. And then I broke my shit and that kind of put a kibosh on the tours for the summer. And our, our artist, Wade, he's working on some new tunes, so we weren't really doing that much anyway. Right. So it kind of worked out, and I just started playing a bunch of solo shows again. Uh, did some at the Cottage in a little bit. Did uh, McHenry Cobbs for a bit. Then went to the Vixen, and now kind of switched between Benton Street and the Vixen. Do you have to be careful with uh, the groups of friends that you have, like your your inner circle? Like, Do people try to use you? In this industry um, at all? Or are you pretty good? I think for me, not really, because I think I my friends, my friend group has always been pretty much the same. You have a tight like, circle. Yeah, I'm a pretty yeah. tight circle. I have friends that I've met from hanging out in the bar that I'm friends with now that are kind of in my circle. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're in my circle for sure. But I've always kept my friends that I've been friends with since I was like four. So like 30 year friendships, mm-hmm. we've always kept those and made those work. Um, I don't really think no one I really hang out with. is like that crazy. We have to really worry about them. I'm kind I think, of wondering about like outsiders that try and weasel themselves in. Like, can you, like, would you be able to catch that? People try to get me to do shit for like little to no money all the time. Yeah. That's the yeah. only thing that annoys me, but that's just kind of part of the deal. Like everybody wants a deal and everybody wants you to do something for this person or that person for next to nothing. And that kind of gets a little infuriating. I think for me personally, I think when I go out with my buddies, I kind of have to be more careful of getting too fucked up and doing dumb shit. Cause you got to remember that everyone's got a phone on them these days. And right. Right. Yeah, little blackmail. Yeah, they'll catch you one way or another. For sure. Yeah, and everyone, it seems like a lot of people want to catch you. Like, we'll we'll set your ass up to do something. I haven't had too many crazy problems over the years. I've been pretty fortunate with not having, like... Well, you got a good head on your shoulders, man. You seem like you're... You'd know how to handle that situation. Like, it seems like you're always kind of watching out for your best interest as you should be well it's funny because a lot of people think that the touring shit 
is so crazy and wild. And if you're like Motley Crue or like bands like that, it could be pretty wild. And I mean, if you, I mean, even other bands, I guess if you're into that kind of thing, it could be definitely wild. But our group was always pretty chill. Like when I was, you know, with Wade, myself, and then our drummer, Jeff, we've always been pretty like, pretty chill dudes. Like we just party with each other. That's good. And then like, we'll hang out with fans and stuff and like, you know, sign stuff, hang out and whatever, but it never gets like stupid, crazy. And usually what it is, and a lot of people don't understand is you get there, you load in all your gear, you sound check, you go back to the hotel until like an hour before you play, then go to the venue, hang out, watch the other bands play. And then you play sign some stuff or hang out or whatever people want to do and then go back to the hotel and then it's off to the next place. So what's like a typical hour range from start to finish? When you're um, that? We usually, if we're doing fly dates, I like to fly into whatever city we're playing in the day before. For sure. Just to, just to avoid any kind of like stupid cancellations or any awful things that could happen. Yeah. And I like to just check out the place that we're playing in first you know, do a little sightseeing or whatever. And then when the rest of the band comes in, we get to the venue at like 3 p.m., loaded all our shit, sound check like right after, then go find something, someplace to eat. And Wade's pretty particular in what he eats. He's more of a healthy dude. Jeff and I could live off of Chipotle for the rest of our lives. <laughs> I can't do Chipotle, man. They have, they had too many scares for my liking. I actually got food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Say it. Say it. Shout out to Chipotle. <laughs> oh, this is a terrible story. I was. This is actually before I broke my shit. I started playing goalie again. Oh man! And I ate Chipotle. And I got home before I left for the game. And I, you know, you just had the Chipotle shits, so I just like took care of that. And, you know, it was it was what it was. And then I went to my mom's house to see them before the game because they live right by the rink, kind of. And I hit again. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Then yeah, I get all my then I get all my goalie gear on. Right. Oh, that's game over. Everything was on. Then it, hit, then, it, then it hits again. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, you're shitting your pants, son. So I'm like waddling to the fucking <laughs> bathroom. Just throwing off my leg pads. I just rip off my uh, my goalie pants just in the nick of time. If I would have taken like two seconds later, they would have just been mud butt all over the fucking everything. Man, there's too much equipment. You done fucked up. That Chipotle, dude, I'm telling you. But then, crazy enough. <laughs> you got to shut like, out? <laughs> yeah, dude, I did. Because <laughs> I, I was so focused on not shitting myself that I was – just trying to get through the game that I ended up having like a shutout. <laughs> Better a shutout than a shitout, my man. <laughs> That's great. But as far as being on the road, though, I haven't had any bad like food stuff. Um, we played in Louisiana, so I got to try a lot of cool uh, food there. Louisiana is a wild place, dude. It is. We take we, we do a lot of mud parks, so this is like a lot of those ATV places and stuff. So. Oh, right, right. They're pretty wild. So we played there. Uh, we went to, when we played in Maine. I had my first ever lobster roll. Is it delicious? Oh, it was the best shit ever. And it was God fucked up because I, I ate it at the airport. 
Yeah. So I got off of my plane and I sat down and I was talking to these people and I was like, I landed in Portland, Maine. And I was like, hey, we're playing in Livermore, Maine. How close is that to here? And they just, they, they fucking laughed at me. They laughed at you? That's they're not like, a good sign. They're like, it's a $300 Uber ride. <laughs> oh, Jesus, dude. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So they're like, you should stay in Portland for the night. There's a bunch of clubs and a bunch of other shit. And then when your band comes in, just, you know, take the van or whatever we get for the show, you know, then. Right. So I was, I was thinking about that. But then I was like, man, I, if I get a hotel here is 10 times more expensive than you know the other place i should have stayed in portland but i fucked up and i went to the other place oops and it, it, wasn't, learn. it wasn't much to do all the bars close at nine. Oh, that's kind of whack and i barely got to the pizza place in time to order a pizza for the night otherwise i would have been like sol on food yeah you can't do that but the food there is good uh florida always has really good seafood and stuff for sure so there's a lot of good a lot of good places i've been Pretty much almost to every state except for, I think, six. Uh, what state? Name one that you haven't been to. I have been to Hawaii and Alaska, Arizona, New Mexico. Not missing anything. Delaware. Nothing there. And shit. Probably one of the other states up there. Vermont? Yeah, I haven't been to Vermont. Yeah, no. You're so not pretty much those anything. those are left, and then I've I've hit the fifty. You ever go outside the country to perform? Um, I played in Canada once. Oh, okay, that counts. But that's just pretty much as far as I have gotten. Uh, my drummer Mark, he's done Europe, and then he did Mexico and South America. So that's pretty badass. I've always wanted to, but mainly with our kind of genre of doing like country rap stuff is it's very, the fan base is great. Cause like they're the best fans ever. They're the most loyal, awesome. Like we were in South Carolina one time and the moonshine bandits. That's another band that's huge in our like genre. Their fans drove me to the airport. No way. Yeah. They drove me two and a half hours to the airport. Like out Whoa. of the way. We stopped at a tattoo shop. I got tattooed <laughs> and like, we just hung out all day. And then they actually happened. Some of them happened to be on the same flight back to Chicago with me. Oh, that's they're cool. from like Detroit. And then they had like a layover. So yeah, there's nothing better than a, uh, a good community like that. That's, that's raw. That's so sick, dude, that you can count on them to drive you to the airport. I mean, well, other it, communities it was awesome. like that. Yeah. It was awesome too, because Last summer, I got this idea that I was going to throw my own festival outside of my apartment and my bar that it's I work at. actually a question that I wrote down for you, man. Back in the day, you used to host those parties, right? Like Spike the Fest. mega parties. What was it called? Spike Fest. Dude, I went to one of those and I was like, what the fuck is happening around here? Yeah, we the first <laughs> one. Oh, my, my mom used to get so mad. The first one. I believe it. <laughs> the first one was like. 25 or 50 people yeah. and the second one was like 150 and then yeah. by the time we got to like year four or five there was a good like 300 400 people dude it was like an event and the cops would just like park their cars out and they're like 
waving people in and shit at that point. <laughs> yeah, they would. They basically the cops, the Crystal Lake Police Department, was very cool with that party. They were until the one time I would go. We're gonna keep partying until the cops shut this fucking shit down. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> twenty twenty seconds later, they all roll up and they're just like, "It's a wrap." They're like, "Yeah, you're you're done now." And I'm just like, <laughs> "I was like, oh shit." <laughs> so you were saying about the uh, the party that you were about to throw outside of your apartment? I think this new one. Yeah, it's um, I never fuck. I never thought I should have. Okay, so most festivals. When people throw them on, they give it like a good solid year of like proper booking, planning, all that shit. I did mine in about six months. Yeah, you took the expressway. Yeah, I took the I took the fastest way, and it was it in the beginning. Everything looked fucking badass because I had like we teamed up with DC Cobbs and Woodstock with uh, Dan Hart, who was like he's a dude when it comes to just like you know, doing just like, you know, the bar stuff and just the social media game. Oh, right, right. The marketing stuff. Like he, playing for him, the years that we were there, just elevated all of my, you know, marketing and all that stuff, which led to like the beer that I had for a little bit and all that kind of shit. But so I was thinking like, you know, I teamed up with them and we're like, we're going to do Benton Street Tap, DC Cobbs. And we're going to get my band to come up here. We'll play. And then we'll get a big national act. And we'll do two days. So day two, we did the Moonshine Bandits because, like, I've met their fans. And they travel like like you wouldn't believe. So we had their fans coming from Alaska, Florida, Washington State, California, Michigan to see them. So that's kind of how these these, uh, fans of this genre kind of are just like so dedicated and loyal i fucked up because i didn't realize there weren't a ton of moonshine bandits fans in illinois i found that out later okay (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately so i mean there was a good amount but you know i don't know when things are run kind of like in six months when it should have been a year it's kind of it's a thing um so then day one was going to be yellow wolf oh fuck yeah really which was like Yellow Wolf was a huge artist for me, and he kind of got me into that whole genre anyway. And so I definitely noticed uh, him in you whenever I see you. Yeah, it's funny because yeah. when I was playing with Bubba Sparks, even though I'm a lot darker than Yellow Wolf is, our, <laughs> our dressing was kind of very similar. For sure. So fans would think that I was him for a minute from like far away. Yeah, yeah. And then they realized that it was just me, and they'd probably be bumped out. <laughs> But so we were working on getting him and I sent a message saying, Hey, urgent, really trying to get this done by this date. And they were interested and they were just like, but you got to send 40,000 right now. And in booking, usually you send half of the guarantee then, and then the other half when they show up. Okay. So I was like, I was like, yeah, we're not going to do that. And hindsight, we should have just been like, yeah, here's 40,000. Let's go. They wanted forty thousand total, or was that half? Yeah, that's forty thousand total from okay. the play. So n- normally it would be twenty, and then twenty when they're done. Yeah, okay. it's twenty, and then twenty when they arrive. Oh, okay. So you know we should have kind of done that, but you know when you're doing a festival for the first time, you're not really sure. 
the city was pretty cool with me and like getting everything done. Jack Daniels sponsored the stage. They got me a bunch of shit. Jeez. Uh, Patron helped me out. Miller Lite helped me out. So like all the stuff was, all the stuff was there. Was that hard in itself with um, getting those brands? Yeah, getting the to- stage, getting the sound. And my buddy, Gino, he's, he's awesome. He did the sound. He has done like the Metro. He's the uh, tour manager for uh, Dance Gavin Dance. He does sound for them. He does Asking Alexandria, Plain White Tees. Like the list goes on. And he's like one of the best guys in sound. And he's got his own company. So he he did day one and day two of the festival. So day one, when we didn't have a headliner coming straight into the week, we were talking about just scrapping and having it just be a one one day thing. But all the stuff was already there. So we ended up doing it. And it was okay. It just didn't hit the first night how we wanted to. And night two was good, but it still kind of wasn't everything we wanted to because it was this weekend of Country Thunder. Yeah. And for some fucking reason, I thought that that wouldn't be a big deal. It's a fucking but huge I, deal. No, I mean, I knew that was a huge deal. <laughs> but I thought that like a lot of the country fans that like Country Thunder yeah. are different than the fans that like the shit that I was bringing. And then our town you, has... You thought there was enough to go around for everybody. Yeah. And our town has this other thing that that's big every year uh, called the Gabers Barn Dance. And I thought that our group was going to be two different things from that too as well. So I was like, you know what? I think we're going to be okay here. Yeah, I, I, was, I fucked up on that. <laughs> so they actually made a rule now that you can't, that Woodstock can't have more than one event going on. Really? Yeah, at the same time, because they want, you know, they want to call the dance biker law. Yeah, they should should call it the vintage (laughs) fucked up law. Uh, But yeah, so like, I mean, it's a good thing because, you know, you had too many things going on. You don't want to screw everybody else over. Yeah. Have you ever been to Country Thunder? I haven't. I got really close to going this year because I'm a Morgan Wallen fan. So I was like, I want to go see that. I heard it was nuts. Well, I mean, every fucking year that it goes down, it's nuts. Like, I, I don't know if I could handle camping out there and for like the. Uh, the I'd have to be an time. RV man. The older I get, the bougie I get. <laughs> I'm right. I'm there not. With I'm you, not sleeping man. in a fucking tent. I'm right with you. This is not happening. I have to have like a porta potty right next to me. I know. I'm just I'm not. No objection. Speaking of that, have you seen the uh, that new documentary that was uh, Woodstock '99? I did. I finally watched it last yeah, week. buddy. It was I, awesome until the end. I got bummed out at the end because obviously when it gets to like yeah that poor girl in the ambulance and stuff like that, that's really fucked, super fucked up and shitty. And I just like I felt like oh, man. I, okay, so I do now. I guess I book like festivals and shit like that. I just hated how those promoters came off. Like yeah. I'm a musician more than I am like a promoter, like and mm-hmm. a booker. But those guys were just trying to blame it on Limp Biscuit. Were so they just they sounded like scumbags. Like you they booked were Limp scumbags. Biscuit, they were for yeah. sure. Yeah. You booked Limp Biscuit knowing that Limp Biscuit was going to be Limp Biscuit, and they gave you everything that they want that you know you wanted, and you booked them for. Crowd loved it. And it's like you guys were the ones who gave an entire, not to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but you guys were the ones that gave an entire audience fucking candles. Yes. What did you think Yes. that many people were going to do with candles when they're already pissed off 
that water is like being just slam priced through yeah. the roof. I think it got up to like seven bucks at one point. Yeah, I think that whole festival changed how all festivals were kind of run after that. They were trying to re revamp the uh, Woodstock '69, and how could you possibly do that with with uh, heavy metal bands? Like, you won't capture that same moment that you were trying to capture in '69. There's just no fucking possible way, especially when you have those vendors that can make up their own price. Like, what are you doing? It was like I think it was like nine bucks for a bottle of water, and it looked like a couple things of lettuce. Like everything was just. Oh yeah, and then like out of control, and the food is crazy, and the shit water, right? The um, the literal yeah. poo water that everyone was taking a bath in, and yeah, mud diving. <sighs> yeah, that's I, I, that, that movie. That that kind of stressed me out at certain parts. I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, you don't realize that that's shit water. This, they had to. Do you think that they? They listened to that music before they booked them. Well, I think that the, and the thing they said that the guy said he didn't listen to Limp Bizkit. They were just one of the biggest bands. That's what there. I think for sure. Yeah. But the, but the whole thing was very eclectic. Like there's tons of different genres that were on there. There was a lot of mellow shit. It's like, in a you know, fucking Air Force base. Yeah. They also fucked up on that. Cause like if you're going to do Woodstock, that was you know, in a nicer, not nicer, but they're like more of a different kind of area. More nature. Yeah, definitely more nature, not a weird-ass... <laughs> a tarmac. Yeah, a tarmac <laughs> with like rave clubs at night. Yeah, dude. That's the thing actually with me DJing that people get pissed off the most when it comes to me. It's because when I do my shows, I don't really do a whole lot of house music. Did you ever? No, no, and I never planned to. No, nothing against like those dudes who do house music and guys, girls, whoever, you know, do, does house music. I've just never been into it. Yeah. And I just, well, there's always that guy who comes in and he says, okay, can you play some house? And when I tell him I don't play house, he gets so mad. Because I think house for them is still such a huge thing. Because I never got into house and EDM I appreciate because I think there's some really cool edm artists out there and i had a i actually had a time where when i was doing when i was playing the bubba spark shows we were playing in georgia and this lady actually courted me after the show and wanted to sign me for her label to be an edm artist even that she knew that you didn't yeah they were just like we'll figure it out (laughs) she gave me like the number of all these producers and was <laughs> that, like, Hey, call these producers, talk to them, see if they want you to like fly to wherever, figure it out. You're, you're going to be an EDM artist. Was there a thought for a second that you're like, maybe I should. I definitely thought about it. And uh-huh. in hindsight, I definitely should have done it. Yeah. Even just to like, you know, do it as a secondary thing. I was, I was going to ask, can you do both or would that be just too complicated? I could do both. Um, yeah. Because at the time, our tour schedule was pretty much every weekend. We were just doing fly days and stuff or driving here, driving there. Um, we did a bunch of motorcycle festivals, too. There was the Easy Rider Festival, which is a big motorcycle magazine. Yeah. It's like an old school 60s, 70s magazine. 
That's so we cool. did a couple of those, which were absolutely awesome. Those were crazy shit too. Like just those people know how to party. Have you ever wanted to quit music? Uh, my friends all laugh because I try to quit once a year. <laughs> it's an annual thing, huh? Yeah. They're, like, they're... All right, it's about that time. Get ready, boys. He's about yeah, to say I, it. I always say like, I'm like, you know what? I'm fucking Fuck quitting this, this shit. <laughs> And they're like, oh, there goes, there what goes you, Vintage saying he's going to quit again. What would you do if you didn't do music? Oh, I don't know, dude. I kind of like, that's the thing that kind of freaks me out sometimes is I haven't really thought about what am I going to do when I'm done with music? Because to this point, I really haven't had to worry about it. Like, I could continue doing the shows that I'm doing now, literally for the next 10 years if I wanted to. I think even if something did happen, you stopped doing music, you would you would completely find. I think you would be fine, dude. Just like with the leg injury. I mean, you, like look what happened, dude. You broke your leg. That was unexpected, and then a new door opened. Like you got to chill with your parents. Like it opened. It honestly opened a new door, and you got closer to them. So when one door closes, another one for sure opens, dude. I'm not, yeah, I mean, I've always been super close with my parents. It was just nice to like. Yeah. Especially when, you know, they're getting older, I'm getting older. It's It was really nice to just kind of like hang out. And it was like hanging out all day. That's cool. Like every day. So there was definitely some times where we needed some separation. But yeah, for the most yeah. part, it was it was actually really chill. It was really cool. And they drove me to like my appointments. And they were very, very helpful. And, you know, they've always been super supportive about my music stuff. And they've always been cool with the touring. Um, I had my own merch for a little bit there. Then I had my own beer for a minute. So they've always been really supportive with that. What's down the road for you? What do you think? Um, Where do you see yourself in, let's say, give me a five years? Oh, shit. That's always that, like, college question. I remember when I went to my first guidance counselor meeting. I don't want to sound like a fucking counselor. Tell me what's going to happen next week then. Jesus. <laughs> well, no, it's funny because she goes, she had to take this test and it says like what I could do. And she's like, your test came back. You could pretty much do anything. And I was just like, well, that's very fucking helpful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I think for me, I have to figure out what I want to do with booking. I really want to on a redo on my fest that I did. I would love to do that again with a year of preparation. Yeah. And try to get bigger bands and, you know, sponsors. So then it's not resting on the businesses right. itself. It's more mm -hmm. of just having people that are going to sponsor it and have them kind of worry about the costs. So then it's kind of a win-win for everyone here. Um, DJing, I'm kind of enjoying it. I feel like, I mean, I, I always feel like it's kind of like this is kind of like the last years of me doing music, but I also don't know, you know, per performing wise, like you can always still be in music, but like, yeah, not I mean, performing, performing, wise, performing a ton. Right. Yeah. Like I have that this year. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've only got a couple more years left of that. So I, I'm starting to enjoy it more in the sense of like, I'm super fortunate that people even still come out to see me DJ and they like it. And, you know, now I'm kind of entering a new world where like 
the kids that are coming out to these shows are 21, 22, 23. And that's a whole nother battle in itself is trying to, you know, perform for these kids. So they like it when the TikTok generation is something so different, like their attention spans for songs are really shorter. Yes. Like I can't play like a full song anymore. Like, or like I can't play, you know, isn't that fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. I play like, sometimes I feel like I play 25 seconds of a song and they're just like, okay, next song. And I'm like, guys, I have to do four more hours of this shit. I can't just like, (laughs) you know, fucking speed through this. Impossible. I'm going to run out of songs. Dude, yeah, that attention span is even more decreased, I feel like, when it comes specifically to music, too. And, like, not to sound like an old guy or, like, an asshole, but a lot of those kids grew up differently than we did. Like, me and my buddies, when we were in high school, we had, like, backyard baseball leagues and, like... Definitely. Hell yeah, dude. We still played video games and shit, and we still had some screen time, but we weren't on our phones all the time, and, like, there wasn't, like... I feel like there's kind of a disconnect where like, you're right. you know, everyone kind of just does their own thing. They're in their but, own little world, man. Where I feel like when we were kids, like we had like, you know, you had your group and that was like your guys. And yeah, I think we were born at such a good time. Like we just made it before all that shit came out. Like we got to experience like, like you said, the backyard baseball, like where we would ride bikes to people's houses. Like that's how you would know where your fucking friends were. Like all the bikes were in front of the yard of the house. Like, oh, that's where they're at. Okay. Yeah. And we would always go to my friend Burke's mom's house. Yeah. Like his parents' house was the place where we went. We actually, I felt, I still, I feel like I owe them money. Cause like I <laughs> ate so much of their food. Yeah. And like we all did, like all the guys, like, drank so many pops left too many probably half drank <laughs> just because like when you're a kid you know you don't have that concept of like how much shit costs right right and, and now that i'm an adult i'm just like oh god yeah yeah retrospect. So it's a funny thing man looking back on shit like that you're right completely dude and parents enjoy that stuff though man like feeding the neighborhood kids and like yeah. making sure they're having a good time like they get off on that they love that well, it's so crazy, too, because if you go back to, like, our conversation earlier about COVID and, like, the gear and all this stuff and, like, Orange, it I got sponsored by Orange, and because of COVID and everything, everything got backed up, like, three years. I couldn't get a brand new amp from them because oh, they're just, right. there was just, like, there, there was nothing. Yeah. And it happened with, like, gear, too. Like, when my, uh, when my decks broke, I couldn't find, like, a place to get decks like the ones that i wanted i they had to wait like a couple weeks for it to get shipped out because we're just like dude we're so we're so behind on everything yeah yeah it was a real problem with everything and then this year the huge problem with a lot of bands is the logistics of traveling traveling has become so expensive that it's very hard for like non-high level bands that have like labels to tour what do you and play do? In that situation, I mean, for us, Wade is kind of a self-run thing where he has his own business with it. Like, you know, Wade B is Wade B. He's not, you know, signed to any label or anything. So a lot of it is just, you know, him paying for it and figuring out the tax stuff. And it's really just 
having it with the venues be like, okay, our price for us to play these shows is this much because we have to pay for flights, food, and you guys throw the hotels in there. So that's why it's, you know, so expensive. And that's why bands have ticket prices how they are because that's how everything works. You know, so many people are just like, I don't want to go see this show for 20 bucks or 30 bucks or 40 bucks. That's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, but you got to think about how much costs it put on these shows. Yeah, when you're paying like fucking 900 bucks to fill up your gas tank, yeah, ticket prices are going to go up a little bit. I mean, sound, dude, even like our regular shows sounds like 1500 to 2000 bucks. How much is it normally? I don't know what the uh what the That's like a normal that's kind of a normal thing is like Okay. If I was going to rent sound, it'd probably be about that for like all our shows. Most of the venues have their own sound systems and their own sound guy. It sounds so expensive, like, man. So that's not as big of a worry, but it is for the venue, absolutely. God damn. I mean, if the venue's built for it, then they're all you know, then it's all good. And that's when you see tickets at like, you know, twenty, thirty bucks. Yeah. But when they have to bring shit in, that's when everything gets so expensive and it's kind of a little bit nutty. <sighs> what do you say, man? It's been an hour twelve minutes. Yeah, man, dude, thank you uh, for having me on. For sure. Yeah, I want to um, appreciate you being here, man. Uh, what's your social media? Give a shout out to to the listeners, how they can reach you. Yeah, uh, my Instagram is at the real Danny Vintage. There is another one in Florida, but. What? It's not, it's another, not, another Danny not, Vintage in Florida? Yeah, not the same handle. Imposter. I know. I got to find this guy. But yeah, um, yeah, at the real Danny Vintage on. Instagram, my Facebook is Danny Vintage. And then, you know, my personal thing is Daniel Patrick Spiker. If you feel like following my day to day stuff, which you probably don't want to, because it's just a lot of DJ stuff. That's like the thing I always feel bad about posting on Facebook. It's like, it's all my promotion stuff all the time. That's how I am with the podcast. I mean, so, it's got to, it's got to be done though, dude. I know it does. So I'm yeah. trying this year to sprinkle a little bit more of like, you know, some of this other stuff I'm up to and yeah. keep everybody up. I respect that. Definitely trying to get more followers on Instagram back up because like for a while I was trying to get trying to get everything higher up there and then just kind of, you know, sometimes it gets daunting keeping up with all oh, your socials. For sure, man. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. But definitely if uh, you're in the Woodstock McHenry or Chicagoland area to try to see what I'm doing and come, come see a show, hang out. You got anything upcoming right now? Uh, this Friday I'm at the Vixen and McHenry Saturday. I'm doing a wedding for one of my really good friends. So I'm pretty excited about that. Nice. That's an Elgin. That's going to be a good one. And then I'm booking bands at the cabin in September in Woodstock. We've got a couple cool bands. We have a band that I really like named Crambone coming. They're like rockabilly style. Um, Amy Yor is going to be there. Um, Caesar Smithers is going to be there. He's another good one. And then we have our DJs coming in. And then actually, I'm not actually a part of it for say, but it's one of my buddies. It's his 30th birthday outside of Benton Street. Yeah. On the 27th of August, it's going to be crazy. We've got eight EDM DJs. Holy shit. Crambone's going to be at the cabin. And it's we have outside water park basically being built. It's going to be like a little carnival kind of thing. We have a water oh, slide, fun. water yep. slide, dunk tank, and all that stuff. 
That's going to be at Benton Street Tap on the 27th. So that's going to be craziness. Beautiful. That's a wrap. Danny Hell Vintage, yeah. appreciate you being here, man. Dude, appreciate you, brother, man. I I love uh, the podcast. I checked out some of the other ones you had on there. So it's definitely good stuff. I appreciate it, man. We'll keep it pumping. And uh, as long as you keep performing, we'll see you on the, uh, the other side, my man. And for all you listeners out there, we'll see you Friday at Vixen. Later. Hell yeah, later.